DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And we are joined now by Blake Anderson. Blake is here to tell us all about an opportunity for you to help the Utah Food Bank. Driven to assist, Blake is the president of LHM Megaplex Theaters. Blake, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on, guys. No problem. Thanks for coming on. So, uh, Driven to Assist, explain the campaign. I think uh, people will get some of the logic behind it right away, given given all the headlines we're we're seeing. Yeah, you know, we're pretty excited about this this, uh, opportunity to help out a little bit. You guys know that our mission statement is to enrich lives and... uh, there are a lot of people out there right now who are, are suffering uh, and, and need a little bit of help, and particularly with food. When you've seen the food lines that, you know, at the Maverick Center, I heard the other day there was over 40,000 people in line. And so the Miller family has, um, tr- true to their character, has come together, and uh, we will be uh, using all of our Megaplex theaters as uh, food donation sites. Uh, across the state of Utah, uh, and if you bring a, a bag of food to our curbside pickup at any Megaplex theaters between 2 and 6 p.m., we'll give you a free uh, hot buttered large popcorn on us. Sweet, man. I am there. What do you need from me? <laughs> well, what we'd like is is a bag of food. We're, uh, we're considering a bag of food to be about eight cans or similar equivalent. And uh, all you have to do is, is show up to any of our Megaplex theaters between, uh, between those hours and hand our uh, assistants, who will be, uh, of course, uh, social distance, and they'll have uh, proper gear, masks, and gloves on. They'll take the food, and they'll bring you out a hot buttered uh, popcorn. Well, I don't want to get sidetracked here, but I'm going to tell you right now, when I go to the movies, i got to have my popcorn. Yeah, I think everyone's really missed that popcorn, and we're so uh, you know happy that we were able to come up with a way for people to order the popcorn through our website. And our curbside pickup uh, has just been phenomenally successful. Uh, every night, if you've gone into any of our Megaplex theaters, there's a lineup of cars getting uh, ice-cold uh, drinks and hot butter popcorn to be able to enjoy at home until we can get the theaters back up and running. So you say this is uh, from 2 to 6 p.m. for how long? Yeah, it'll go for the full week. Starts today, uh, April 30th through May 6th, every day from 2 to 6. And uh, you can do that. Our dealerships are also participating, uh, as well as the Vivant Smart Home Arena and the ballpark. So really, almost every Larry H. Miller Enterprise will be will be a pickup stop, and each entity has their own uh, reward, but for the Megaplex theaters, our our thank you note will be the popcorn. So there is a list of uh, recommended preferred foods. You know, the food bank has lots of different ways to uh, to acquire food. But they tend to get stuff in bulk. Do not bring garbanzo beans; they're good. <laughs> they have so many garbanzo beans. It's a funny story, but we get to, but there are other things that they don't necessarily have. And so food drives like this are really good for providing variety for the, as you mentioned, you know, forty thousand people going through. They can burn through a lot of stuff. So I know peanut butter and chili are up there on the list. You got some other things that people ought to be uh, any, donating. Yeah, any canned meat, like you said, peanut butter, chili, canned meat. Even things like for kids, spaghettios, ravioli, mac and cheese, those those kind of items go very quick. And they told us there's a, a large need for those uh, kind of items. But, you know, they'll take almost anything. Of course, it, you know, nothing uh, perishable. 
no refrigerated or uh, breads or things like that. It all has to be uh, have shelf life. But uh, we hope to collect uh, a lot of food for the food pantries to really help people out, uh, both financially and physically through this, this difficult time. So I think, Blake, when people donate stuff, they want to know how it's going to be distributed, how it's going to get to the front line. So what you're saying is they come down to the megaplexes, you'll collect the food, and then you'll give it to the food bank, and that's where it will be distributed. Yes, that's that's correct. Okay, we're going right to the food bank. So, uh, you know, and they do such a, an incredible job that we've uh, we've got barrels in all of our locations, and we'll just continue to fill those uh, barrels and boxes up for them throughout the week, and then they'll bring their food trucks around, and it will go directly to the food bank to help people here in Utah. If you've never taken a tour of the food bank, that warehouse is unbelievably large. And even before all this, they turned it over like every like three weeks. Everything that is in this massive warehouse gets moved out to the partner agencies like, you know, Ronald McDonald House. We work with that. But then also all these pantries around the state. So whatever you bring, they, they can use. There's no doubt about that. That warehouse is massive. The first time I heard they turned that over every three weeks, I couldn't believe it. That's a lot of food. Yeah, you're correct. And I think it's even more now. I was yeah, speaking with sure. Heidi over at the food bank, and, and and she was saying that never before has there been such a need. Uh, people who never even had heard of the food bank or ha- had any uh, reason to go there now are in desperate need. So this is a real uh, a real need now. And if we can if we can have our, our guests and our, our team members and everybody just participate and bring food in, if everybody does a little, we can make a huge difference. You know, there's so many people in the uh, in the service sector and in the uh, tourism sector that uh, have lost their jobs because we just we can't travel, we can't interact, we can't you know go to games, go to concerts, go to movies, that kind of stuff. And so I'm I'm curious, and you probably can't answer a lot of these questions, but you're probably trying to answer some of them. The movies, just as an example of one of those things where you know everything changed instantly. So are you trying to come up with plans when the theaters open? what it'll look like as far as how many people you can put in a theater and how you space out concession lines. Are you guys already working on that kind of stuff, I assume? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you asking. Yeah, we have our team on daily, uh, both uh, in our theaters, um, you know, installing everything that we need to do to keep people properly uh, social distance. You know, to answer your question, it looks like we'll probably open at about 25% capacity. Of course, we'll have our concession lines and, and all spread out for six feet distance, kind of like you see in the in the stores that we're able to attend now. And uh, hopefully, you know, within the next month or so, we'll be able to open back up and invite people back into Megaplex theaters. I know so many people miss the movies. Oh, for sure. Yeah. When you think about it, you know, you hear about the sports and the concerts. And I've heard some artists as far as uh, musical people saying, man, that first show back, it's going to be unbelievable. And, you know, we'll make a big deal when the sports comes back. But I was also thinking the day-to-day stuff, those are like special events. But movies are day-to-day. And so that's going to actually be a significant advancement in where we are once those theaters get to open. It really is. It's part of our culture. I mean, we can all think of where we were when, you know, we were with our dates or when we watched our kids experience their first Disney movie or, uh, you know, uh, there's so many memories that we all have. And part of our uh, fabric of our life is our movie theaters. And we're working closely with our studio partners to 
to bring in, you know, I think we'll, we'll actually, the, the new releases will come out in July, but we're, we're hoping to open before then and bring in some classics, bring back some of the things we played when we closed, uh, kind of warm up to, uh, you know, regular business. And uh, it should be kind of exciting. We're certainly getting ready. Our team's working very hard to make sure the theaters are, are all in tip-top shape. We've installed some new uh, laser projectors and some sound and done some neat things in our lobbies. So we're excited to be back in business, that's for sure. Yeah, those those moments in life, the first time you go to the movies with your wife, who you're then just dating, and you find out she doesn't want the popcorn, she wants red vines. <laughs> what? What red is vines. wrong with red vines? Yeah, red vines are milk duds. What? So the movies, you get popcorn and then maybe a soda, but not too big a soda, because, you know, you don't want to miss the middle of the movie. That's nothing like it, right? Exactly. All my kids actually use the red vines as straws as well, so there's a little <laughs> secret there. <laughs> there it is. All right, well, Blake, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on. And uh, Driven to Assist, this is your chance to... Uh, Help the Utah Food Bank out. Make a donation uh, April 30, that's today, uh, through Wednesday, May 6th. Uh, not, not on Sunday, but any other days. Any Larry H. Miller. you got 22 Larry H. Miller dealerships you can go to, 13 Megaplex Theaters, the Park Place by Vivint Smart Home Arena, and the North Lot at Smith's Ballpark. And they're looking for peanut butter, mac and cheese, chili, spaghettios, raviolis, canned fruits, and all the canned meats, tuna, chicken, or beef. Blake, we appreciate you. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Let's yep. do a little bit and help a lot. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up, Joe Ingles is going to join us next right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Got multiple questions up on our Facebook page, DJ and PK. We'll be getting to Joe Ingles here in about five minutes. Uh, we discussed one of them earlier this morning about uh, the latest reports the NBA is considering playing all his games at Disney World. How goofy is that? Uh, but there are multiple things going on. What do you think of the NCAA allowing the kids to make cash off their likeness? Uh, Austin says, I think it's fantastic. That means NCAA football is coming back to video game systems. Yak. You want to shoot that down? Getting into Not the fine, looking promising currently. Getting into the fine print, you video gamers, you're you're bummed. So the, currently, the, the way that's written is the group licensing that would need, need to take place to have a college football video game come back is not cr- part of the current proposal to be voted on. So that means it would be near impossible to make a game, yeah. which sucks. Tanner says, I think it kind of stinks that we're to this point in collegiate sports, but it's totally fair to the player. Well, if it's fair to the players, why does it stink? Is it just like we, we, we like tradition, we like things the way they were, and it's changing so we don't like it? I'm trying to figure out why Tanner thinks it stinks. Can you read his mind, PK? I think there's a foul odor there. That's the only thing I can think of come up with. <laughs> okay. Brian says it opens up the door for schools to make more money under the table. Where schools were getting penalized now can all be written off, so to speak, to friends of the program. I can buy that. Instead buy what? Of, instead of going, uh, you know, like, uh, what's a recent case that everybody remember? Was, uh, DeAndre Ayton. That's, you know, DeAndre Ayton got 100000 and DeAndre Ayton says, I did not get 100000 And now it'll just be, yeah, uh, a car dealer and the local uh, cell phone uh, distributor down there, satellite distributor, whoever, in Tucson. Hey, 
DeAndre Ayton, here's 50 grand. Do a couple ads for us and uh, tell people to get a sat- tell the uh, cord cutters to get a satellite service so they can watch all your games. Better do it quick because those guys in Tucson are only going to be there for a few months. Right. Yeah. It's a one-year deal. Great. That's all I'll be here for. Less than that. Alex says they're doing this because they're scared of the G League coming to take away the college basketball game. The G League, they're coming to take away the basketball players. Ha, 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 ee, They probably will lose some players to the G League, and some players won't want to deal with school. But, you know, with the school comes bigger crowds and more fame. Attention. So, yeah, I think it's, it's one of those things that's going to – it depends on what you want. And, and for what? Hey, how you doing? For one group, the G League will be the answer, but for another group of players, they won't want any part of it, and they'll go to college. So – well, I think the large pass. majority would go to college. The G League would be just be for the chosen few. Did you see that? You probably haven't followed this, but uh, the Sun Devils got some commitment. I, I think the kid's last name is Christopher, and I've double-checked that. But supposedly he's a top-10 basketball player, right? And so he's chosen to go play for Hurley because Hurley can get those guards in there and they can jack up as many shots as they want. <laughs> and the thing is, it, they said that this is going to come in the not next year, but the year after. And so he tweeted, he retweeted with like a smiley frown face uh, the thing that it'll be in uh, 21, 22 or something. Because clearly he's going to be a one and dunner. No, so, so he's not going to get to cash in yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a great idea. A year too late. <laughs> right. And he's currently a senior in high school. And I guess he's supposed to be all that. It mean, remains to be seen. You know, he's, he's going to be there for you know, one season. And like, whoop-de-doo, great. You're not going to develop anything. You'll be there, and maybe you'll make the tournament, and maybe not, but whatever. But I just thought it was funny that, and that's the way that this system is set up for these kids, not right now, currently, is you do your time, and then you go on, and then you make your big-time money when you go to the NBA. So, yeah, he did tweet a, a frowny face, which I thought was funny. So I don't follow the kid, but somebody retweeted it, and I saw it. I'm not completely sure why they have to wait a year to implement this, but whatever. It seems like anything the NCAA can do to slow this down, they're going to. I guess I should just be, I should be happy that they're not – it'll take two years to implement this. Yeah, Doesn't, it seems like it ought to be able to be something that can right. get done quicker, but if that's what they're going to do, fine, do it. Right, exactly. With everything going on in the world, this isn't the, this isn't the thing I'm going to get all irritated about, but it doesn't make any sense. Uh, let's see. We got more here. Um, Paul says, "Hey, why not? The players are the ones fans are paying to see." Good, they are. Good point, Paul. All right, all right. You can hit us up on Facebook, uh, DJ and PK. Right now, time to welcome in the man, the myth, the legend. Hey, yeah. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe, and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic. And certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Ben. Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. <laughs> With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5-1280 The Zone. And the Zone Sports Network. 
The Joe Ingles Show is brought to you by your hardworking friends at Mountainland Supply. For all your plumbing and irrigation needs, go to mountainlandsupply.com. Joe, good morning. Hi, guys. <laughs> I know you can't be tired. <laughs> now, Joe. No, I'm, a, I'm very refreshed. <laughs> <laughs> you never gotten more sleep, right? I haven't. Uh, it's actually funny. I've, I've probably in my life probably never slept as, well, apart from probably when I was a baby. Since my adult life, I've probably never slept this consistently in my life, for sure. Yeah. It's weird not having a plane ride until 2 in the morning messing up your sleep patterns, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. I used to, Renee's a, a big one on sleep and, like, consistency of it and stuff like that. And she would always say, like, it, would take, it takes a couple of weeks to kind of reset and, and get your your sleep cycle kind of as regular as possible. And um, Obviously, for us, we, it was basically impossible, really. Um like you said, with the flights and the get home at three or whatever, be out for a shoot around at ten. Like the, it was literally just impossible. So since uh, we've been doing this, I've I've been asleep. I think the latest I would have been asleep would be like ten ten thirty, and I've been up at six thirty every morning with the kids, and um, it's yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> When was the last time, Joe, you have had 80-degree weather and sunshine and didn't have to be somewhere at a specific time during the course of the day? <laughs> I was actually sitting outside yesterday talking to Renee about this. Um, I, I honestly couldn't I, I couldn't really put a date on it. It's been, it's been that long. Um, obviously, when I played in Australia, the season was during the summer. Um, so my last season there was like 08, 09, I think it was. Um, I have been lucky to play in Barcelona's and cities that have good weather, like not summer weather, but, but nice. You can be outside in a T-shirt or whatever. Um, but like yesterday, I haven't, or the, however long the last few days, it's been, um, yeah, I couldn't, probably 08, like 2008, 2009 when I played in Australia. So is that a big factor when you're picking clubs in Europe? Because obviously we've had a lot of college players here go play in Europe, and we've had jazz players who played in and out of Europe, and some of them have awesome stories. You know, I I went to Moscow, and we got on a train and went above the Arctic Circle and didn't see the sun for three days. I mean, that kind of stuff is just crazy. Uh, Barcelona, that that's kind of a win. Is that a factor with people uh, picking their uh, their European teams and they're trying to decide where to go play? Um, sometimes beggars can't be choosers. I think you know, I think if you, I was, I was really lucky to play in Granada my first year, which was looking back now at the time I, um, I wouldn't be able to go back there now with with kids and all that. But when I was there by myself and and with Renee for a little bit uh, before she went home for her season. Um, I didn't mind it there. I was obviously really lucky to, to get offered a contract by Barcelona and then obviously to get offered a contract by uh, Maccabi in, in Israel. So um, maybe different players, maybe better players than, than I was in Europe um, can choose destinations or or have a choice out of two or three cities and you get to pick which one, kind of which one you want to live in. I didn't really have that choice. I was... 
really lucky now looking back to go to Granada and do what I did there. Um, and then obviously, yeah, I got offered by Barcelona. I wasn't going to say no to it, so I signed that right away. And then when I signed with Maccabi in Israel, I was talking to another team in Athens, so I was like, I either get to live in Israel, which I knew was beautiful, um, playing there against Maccabi, or go live, live in Athens. So that was probably the one time I got to choose. Um, I chose to go to camp with the Clippers and got cut, and then obviously I didn't choose to come to Utah originally, but... Um, I would choose it over any other team now. <laughs> We've heard some of our local guys, when they come back, tell us some horror stories about guys uh, trying to get money or just whatever type of conditions. Or yeah. They watch out, how they force you out. Do you have any of those stories? No, I was very, very lucky. Um, obviously, the last two teams I played for, Barcelona and, and Maccabi, were financially very stable and Barcelona was basically funded by the soccer team, which obviously is bringing in ridiculous amount of money. Um, so we never had any problems with payments. Israel was the same. Um, Granada, my first year, players on my team had some issues and had some stuff. Um, I had a clause in my contract that I could leave if they didn't pay me within like however many days of what the payment date was. Um, and the small team that we were and the, the team that we had that year, I was there, we, we play, we finished the highest the club had ever finished that year. And um, so they were pretty desperate to keep us all there. So they were pretty good. Um, I got paid every dollar from my time in Europe. Um, some of my teammates didn't from, from Granada, but the bigger clubs are obviously pretty stable. So um, yeah, it was, uh, I was pretty fortunate in that situation. So uh, are you still, you know, the world's so much smaller with texting and all that, are you still in, in touch with some of those uh, teammates and uh, are some of those guys still playing? Some are probably older and retired, I would assume, too, since you were so young then. I'm just curious what the, the basketball experience is right now around the world. Yeah, um, definitely there's some playing, obviously some not. Um, the last year I played in Maccabi, um, nearly all of those guys are still playing and that's probably probably one of my closest group of friends there's four or five guys that um sean james um who's actually a scout now for the jazz so he actually lives in utah which is awesome um devin smith a guy also i played with is what was actually Igor's assistant in phoenix um before Igor got fired now he's with uh the minnesota g league team so those couple guys i get to see a lot there's a couple still playing in europe um, but yeah, I still speak to a bunch of them. Um, obviously, the the guys that were playing in Europe are, are back in America now, um, waiting to to kind of see what happens. But yeah, I've been I've actually been pretty lucky along my career, and obviously you hear a lot of stories about bad teammates or bad situations and guys not liking each other. I've I've been really lucky to to not really be in any of those situations when I came in. In the NBL, when I was 17, I had an unbelievable group of guys for, for three years. Like I said, my time in Europe, even in Granada, we were this tiny team. We had probably the first, one of the first teams that I didn't really know anyone going to it and made some really good friends and, and still speak to guys. I speak to guys from every team I've played on still. So, um, yeah, I've been, been pretty lucky in that situation. 
I don't know if you've following it, but the NCAA in college is talking about letting these college kids make some money off their likenesses, whether it's through advertising or whenever it might be. And my thought for you, you talk about how you turned professional at 17, and all of a sudden you're getting this money. And I'm wondering, you know, unintended consequences. These kids are going to get some money here coming up, but if they don't have some counsel on in terms of how to take care of the money, how to use it, you know, it could just blow up in their face. Did you have anybody who helped you how to handle finances when you go from being a kid to being paid as an adult, even though you're still a kid? Yeah, I did. Um, I think it's uh, it's a funny one. I think you learn lessons through your own mistakes or um, or achievements if you're, if you're able to do something really good with your, your money or whatever. Um I was lucky, like I said, that, that even at my first three years in the NBO in Australia, um, I was the youngest on the team. I was 17 when I first got to the team. The, I think the next youngest guy was like 23 or something. So I was the youngest by a fair bit. So they were all kind of married and had kids. And I was like, you absolute losers. Like, <laughs> who wants to get married and have kids? And like all these restrictions on like, um But looking back now, it was like the best thing in the world because I – I felt like I grew up a lot quicker. Obviously, the, the basketball side of it playing against men for me was was what I think helped me develop quicker than maybe going to college. Um, but just the, I don't know, the, the life um, stuff that we would talk about, the regular stuff, the, what they were doing investment-wise, um, a part of that was those guys just being around them and listening to them and seeing, um, had 10-year vets, 15-year vets that had all different investments, properties and businesses and stuff like that. So getting to listen to them and then uh, part of it too is just my learning along the way yourself. And um, I, I mean, I got paid very well for a, a teenager my first three years in the NBL. And after three years of playing, I had I didn't have a dollar to my name and I had one, one couch from Ikea. That was probably my only asset that I had. And um, I don't even know if you can call, call it an asset, but... It, I signed in, in Granada and I was like, man, like I was making a lot better money because it was tax-free and I was like, man, I really need to like sort my life out a little bit. Like I'm 21 now and um, I need to be smart with my money. And um, previously to that, not that I, I wasn't smart, I wasn't doing like crazy, I wasn't doing like drugs and like it was just, I was young and I had a bit of money and I would just spend it and I would, I'd take my friends out for dinner and I'd go and have some drinks with friends and I'd always pay and I wanted to, to be that guy because I had more money than what my friends did at the time um, but I learned a quick lesson after realising what I kind of lost in those three years that I needed to, to start saving and being smart and that was when I bought my first property 21, 22 years old and um, yeah it was kind of the start of the, the journey I guess so you look back and you think, okay, I made I made some mistakes, but I did listen to these older guys, and uh, you know I I got to a pretty good place pretty quickly. Now as you get older, you're like these young kids. I try to tell them, and they don't listen to me. Is it some of that, or do you find the younger players are absorbing these lessons, and uh, you're able to kind of pass it on? Uh, a little bit. I'm obviously more than happy to, to sit down and talk to them, and um, actually had a me a only who sits next to me in the locker room. Um, he knows my obsession. Well, most of my team know my obsession with real estate. You can pretty much ask any of them. And I'm sitting on a real estate app on my phone, looking at property pretty much all day, every day. And um, 
he was sitting there asking questions about it, and, and obviously I'm, I'm more than willing to, to help. I don't know a ton about the, the U.S. property market. Um, I've got my, my house here in Utah, but that's about it, and I, I, I'm not going to invest in property here because I'm, I'm not going to live here. But, um, yeah, I'm obviously more than happy to, to help out. My, like I said, my main kind of thing is, is property, and um, obviously more in Australia. But um, if guys want to ask questions, I'm obviously going to help, and... Um, for me, like like you said, listening to these guys and just seeing what 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 they had and what they didn't have, and wanting to be like them back then, and and thinking if I'm on this wage and then be older than I'm making now, like this is what they've done, I'll be able to do something similar. And obviously, I've been very lucky to to be in a, a different position now, but um, yeah, it was still the same thought process the whole time, and and still is now. Really, it doesn't matter. Obviously, I can look at property that's probably a little bit more expensive or, or I can look at more property, but I still don't go over the top with what I do. I, I buy stuff that um, is really reasonable, that I can get good money back or rent. And um, yeah, it's been something I've really enjoyed doing. So as you dip into real estate and you're talking about how it's mostly uh, exclusively Australia as opposed to the U.S., well, what counsel would you have for people who would like to do that and find ways to build up their equity and their financial situation? I think you've got to – I think one of the hardest thing for me when I first did it was at 21, 22 was um, <laughs> going to the bank and getting a loan, and I, I – still remember the the first time I went in there to ask for a loan and how much I was asking for and what I was making at the time and I was like man I'm really like it's going to take me my whole lifetime to, to pay back like it's um, and I think that daunting feeling of um, for me it was like I, I don't I hate debt I hate being in debt I hate owing people money if I do I hate um, I hate being in debt to the bank um, but it's a it's part of life it's I was talking to a friend the other day and they bought their house and what you end up paying back in interest compared to what you actually settled on the price of the house, you, pay, you end up paying so much more money. It's sometimes nearly double what you pay or, or whatever for the house. So, um, yeah, I think overcoming the, for me, it was like the fear factor of, of being in debt. And then um, obviously if you're financially stable and you know what your income is and it's consistent, you can um, you can obviously offset that pretty easily and, and know what you can spend and what you need to save. But, um, yeah, I think diving into it and um, kind of not looking back, you obviously got to do your research because you don't want to buy a property that you're going to lose money on or you can't rent out or whatever it is. So you've got to find the right areas and the right price. And um, a part of that is not being in a rush. Uh, I've been very lucky that I'm not not a quick guy anyway, but I've never been in a rush buying property and I've, I've been able to do some, some really good deals and, and get some really good deals. So, um, yeah, I think uh, overcoming that fear of, of, of diving into it because it's, it's, a, it's a big thing. You, you go to the bank and tell them you need $500,000 and it's going to, you see how much your payments are and the, the loans over 30 years or whatever it is and um, it looks like it's never going to end, but you can you can do a lot once you kind of dive in. Well, I didn't know we were going to go to business school with Joe Ingles today, but that was good. <laughs> it's fun. It's a like I said, it's a for me. It's been like a side hobby, obviously. Um, and don't get me wrong, I understand. I'm in a, a very good position to to be able to do that um, and be able to look and not not stress as much now about. 
my repayments or whatever. Um, so I, I understand everyone's not in the same situation, but um, I know a lot of people that friends and, and family that have have made a lot of money off real estate, and I'm not telling everyone to buy real estate because I don't want to hear your messages of something if something goes wrong. Because I'm not saying that, but if that's what you want to do and you do your your research and that, I've got friends that have three, four, five properties and they they work a regular nine to five job on a, a very average wage. So um, yeah, it definitely can be done if you've got the right kind of people and information around you. Well, Joe, as always, we appreciate a few minutes, and now uh, you're probably exhausted. You probably ought to go take a nap and work on that sleep and stay fully rested. No, I'm going straight down to the gym now, so get my workout in and then work on my suntan for the rest of the day, probably. <laughs> okay. I actually well, got burned the other day. I got burned in like, it was like four or five days ago. I don't know what it was in Fahrenheit. It was like 17 degrees Celsius, which I don't know what that is, maybe 40s, 50s or something. Um, and we were outside for a little bit with the kids playing out in the playground and I came inside and I was like, my neck and arms are all red and I'm actually peeling right now, which just shows you uh, how little my skin has seen the sun. Yeah. Yeah, my wife was right about this. Put aloe on it, and uh, that'll oh, I've got, lessen the burn. Should, you should see the big-ass tub of aloe vera I've got <laughs> next to my sink in the bathroom right now. <laughs> They do have this thing called sunscreen, Joe. I don't know if they got it down under, but we got it up here. Well, we put it on the kids, obviously, and I didn't <laughs> honestly think it was, was that hot outside. Like, it was nice. Obviously, the sun was out. Um, our backyard gets a lot of sun, which is, is really good, but I just... And then the next day, we were going to go out, and, my, and Miller was like, Daddy, you need to put sunscreen on. And I was like, I know, Miller. I put it on you. I just didn't put it on myself. <laughs> the kids are so, raising you. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, thanks, my three-year-old. <laughs> and the worst part is, she's right. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, Millish, damn it, shut up. I know. <laughs> All right, Joe, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. No worries. Thanks, guys. All right, Joe Ingalls checking in. All right, yeah. so he can buy uh, he can buy a lot of expensive property, but uh, that ten dollars worth of uh, sunblock and ten dollars worth of aloe, and now he's apparently got like a thousand dollars worth of aloe there. <laughs> he can just well, bathe in this stuff. I, I think it's real important sometimes that you listen to Renee and the kids because they know what they're talking about. There it is. Hey, when the kid's a genius, right? Truth is truth, even if the kid is three. You listen to Renee and the kids. <laughs> you just want to say Renee and the kids. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just did it better than me. Uh, well, every once in a while. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, thanks to Joe for checking in with us this week. For those of you who like to talk college football, not NBA, well, stay tuned because Jeff Ferrato covers Cal Bears, co-publisher of Cal Maven. He's going to join us coming up at 9.30. Our spring football tour continues. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. It's time to showcase those that are helping all of us through these difficult times. This is a partner profile on the Zone Sports Network. 
Joined now by Golden Holt. He wears many hats, but right now we're speaking to him as the guy behind the Sleepy Ridge Golf Empire. All right, maybe Empire's too much, Golden. But it's a nice-looking course. Well, we like to... We'd like to think so. The clubhouse, people come in and think they're at the Grand America Hotel or something because their clubhouse is certainly grand. Well, as a partner profile, we've done a lot of, uh, PK and I have done a lot of remotes from a lot of charity golf tournaments. We probably couldn't even name all the courses, uh, but we've been to yours several times. And in this uh, partner profile, we like to kind of talk to people about how they're adjusting to the new normal. We've talked to some golf people over time, so you're probably doing some of the same things, but everybody puts their own little twist on it. How have you adapted? Because I've heard you're, you're open and, and Yak has played there, so uh, he said it's pretty crowded. Yeah, it's been a really interesting spring with the virus and golf. Uh, as you know, every golf course and county is treating a little bit differently. We've been open since the beginning of the virus with all the social distancing guidelines. So as you know, most courses you've got, you know, styrofoam in the cups, so nobody's touching the, the pins. You got no rakes in the bunkers to stay and transmit disease. Reservations only, credit card payments, uh, social distancing on the range. So we've been open and been very, very busy, but it's interesting because it's been very efficient busy. We don't let people come to the course unless they have a tee time. So it's been, it's worked quite well for us. We do carts, but usually a single rider. Uh, so all the crazy things has changed the golf world too. Now, I've actually been down there for multiple wedding receptions. I know you can't be doing that right now, but that's something that Sleepy Ridge is known for. Yeah, we uh, do over 250 weddings there at Sleepy Ridge with the environment of the golf course and the views and the grounds. It's turned out really well, but you're right. We haven't done one wedding this year, so we can't figure a way to do pull that off. But the new guidelines, we're looking to get back open for weddings in another month in starting in June, but there's going to have to be some guidelines with that, too. So it's been it's been a different spring for us, for sure. So I mentioned you wear several hats for people who don't know. You were the basketball coach at Orem High for a while. You've been really involved with the AAU scene. Is that whole scene this summer going to shut down? Are we going to see any youth sports at all, you think? Boy, I don't know, and I'm not as connected as I once was. But, boy, just the whole travel, you know, starting at the travel industry and down, I just don't know how people are going to gather in sports in general. I mean, you guys, I'm sure, have talked a lot about it, just the physical contact and all that goes. It's it's everybody waiting to see and hold your breath. But uh, there's certainly consequences to not being together and not having youth having opportunities. And we've had so many people at the golf course say thank you for being open, and they're they're sincere about it. To, to get out of the house and go hang out with some guys in a, in a safe, smart way has been something that uh, people need. And so being uh, locked down for months isn't healthy for youth or for adults. Yeah, I was wondering, you know, the weather has been very dry. I think they said that we had the driest April, and we'll see what May brings. But for the short-term forecast in the next week, it looks pretty good. So with the golf courses being one of the few things that you can do, how has business been compared to, say, whatever uh, year that this time of year over the last few years? Well, in a in, a, in an almost still guilty way, our golf course, because of everybody suffering in so many other ways with the virus and stuff being so serious, 
But the, the truth of the answer is our revenue in April was double this year what it was last year. Right. Last year was a wet, a wet April. Um, and so that obviously with golf impacts you a lot, but we've had a beautiful weather April. And then with some courses closed and others having restrictions, we've, we've doubled our, our revenue. Now, in my little empire world, we did zero <laughs> revenue in wedding business. So it's not like a windfall, but the golf side has been really, really busy. So, of course, it's always, uh, you know, how this translates to all the employees and all that. And uh, I would assume then that the, uh, you know, the food services on site, have you had to shut those down? We've just done the takeout like you would at uh, a McDonald's or anything else. So no no sitting areas, no gathering areas. We followed all of the state guidelines and uh, just tried to be smart. So our grill's been open, but only on a to-go basis. So what's your handicap, Golden? I never asked you that. <laughs> I got to um, about 11 and a half. I, I compared, it's funny because you talk about different things that we all do and enjoy. People think because you own a golf course that you're really a good golfer. And I use the analogy of bank tellers. I say, you know, those bank tellers don't really get to take home that money every night. <laughs> you know, so because you own a golf course doesn't really mean you have a great game. Well, I know you're a tall golfer. I can give you that. Yeah, I just try to croquet up the fairway at my age now. The, the sad thing is, I used to when they talk about these high risk groups, it was never me; it's always somebody else. But I'm, I'm hitting that high risk group, so I've got to be smart with everybody else. Nice, excellent. Uh, so, do you uh, because things are constantly changing? Uh, do you have any idea? Have you been able to get any advice on how things might be different? for your business in 30, 60, 90 days out, or like the rest of us, you're just flying blind and trying to adapt to whatever the newest thing is? We're all flying blind a little bit, as you know, waiting for for next week's information to tell us what we're going to do or not do with public guidelines. But the one thing we talked about in the golf community, in Utah, we've been, we have so many great golf courses and so much opportunity. Uh, We do something that most of the country doesn't do, which kind of works against the golf business, and that is you don't require... A credit card deposit for a reservation or a tea time, and now, now because of the virus, you have to have a credit card unlocking your tea time because you can't have extra people waiting to play. So the walk-in golfer has been kind of driving Utah golf for a long time, and we're talking about changing that so you don't have additional people waiting and keep social distancing better. And as you know, if you travel the country, you got to you got to get a tea time and give them a credit card to hold your spot. If you think about it, let's call the Jazz and say, just hold my ticket. I might or might not show up it's kind of an unusual thing where the golf world in utah just lets you make a time without any reservation with a credit card so we're talking about doing that in the future and that may limit uh it'll limit how many people are there at one time kind of waiting and keeping social distancing at least in place to a better better level one of the things i've noticed i was up at wasatch the other day and i played the uh the mountain course and i've been down to talons uh three or four times and I guess there are they spacing out the times because I've been able to play. The flow has been a lot quicker, and I haven't had to sit there and stand there and wait. Is that because they're spacing out times that is allowing that to, to happen to where the wait time in between shots and holes isn't nearly as long? 
Well, that's a great question. Uh, and normally you have one empty tea time in your eight minute rounds per hour. Uh, but now everybody's putting two in because they want to make sure uh, distancing is kept. And then with no walk in traffic, you literally have great pace of play. I've played a couple of times and I, I couldn't believe the dollars and the, the amount of traffic we're turning through, but it's very efficient. If you played Pelican Hills or any of these other great courses, they have that time right on the front of the cart, 806, 814, every, every round is three hundred dollars to them so every the efficiency of how other courses have done it is what's now happening with with kind of the virus dictating you know people coming and going and everybody shows up for their tea time because they know it's very precious and valuable because it's hard to get on golf courses right now Hmm. well golden we appreciate a few minutes thanks for coming on and uh talking with us and what's a uh what's the number on the website if people want to uh get a time 801-434-GOLF is the Sleepy Ridge number. Easy one to do. We appreciate all you guys' help. You guys have helped us with several charitable events and several causes, so we really appreciate you guys and our partnership. All right. Hey, Golden, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Thank you. There's Golden Holt checking in. Sleepy Ridge. Yak, when's, when's the last time you played Sleepy Ridge? Tuesday. <laughs> I play it once a week. I play men's league down there. Oh, you do? That's it. That's a regular one. You play with your dad? My dad and my father-in-law. Oh, there you go. You guys just crush it, don't you? Uh, this past week's a little rougher, but previous to that, we've done a pretty good job. Okay. All right, DJ and PK, stay with us. College football coming up. Jeff Ferrado covers the Cal Bears, co-publisher of Cal Maven, our spring football tour at 930. Stay with us on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.